Welcome to another episode of the Performance Enhancing Podcast. I'm your host, Sam. Um, before we get to anywhere today, I would like to wish a big, hearty congratulations to my good friend and co-host, John Margulis, who just gave birth, his wife gave birth to three daughters last week. So he is not going to be joining me on the pod today and maybe not for uh, for a little while as he gets things settled uh, in his home. But I have joining me today a good another good friend uh, who plays in my home league with me, Mikey Tauber. He's, hey guys. He's been here before um, and he is currently writing for The League Builders, which is a, um, a content website, ultimately will be a platform uh, where you can host your fantasy football leagues. Uh, but Mikey is helping us out there writing articles. Um, he's got a lot to say and we're going to get to tight end rankings today. Uh, that's going to be the main point of this episode. Uh, when John and I had done running back rankings, wide receiver rankings, quarterback rankings, it really took up the entire episode, but, uh, tight ends, I think is going to be a little bit more concise. So we're going to have room for some news in the beginning. And there's been really a lot of news, uh, lately in the NFL revolving around some of the biggest names in our league. So let's start off, uh, with the biggest topic. Uh, I'll shoot this at you, Mikey. What do you think about Le'Veon Bell's situation? They were trying to get a deal done for him. Um, they didn't ultimately, though Le'Veon Bell said, you know, both sides worked very hard. There were rumors that he was going to sit out the first eight games of the season. Now it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But what are your thoughts on the entire uh, situation? So basically, I think Le'Veon Bell is without a doubt a top three back in the NFL. He's been basically since he entered the league and he's worth that money. He's worth $15 million. I mean, per season. When he comes on, teams have to game plan against him every time. I mean, and the Steelers are lucky because they also have Antonio Brown, who teams have to game plan against him. And if they lose Le'Veon Bell, I mean, the rest of the team is going to take a hit. I don't care if they get another serviceable running back. It's going to hurt, and they're going to lose him for nothing. And when you have one of these top guys, fine. The team, let's say there's rumors that have been going around that they're offering a little over 13. Some were saying he even offered 14. I mean, is it really not worth it for them to just give them the extra? A little bit more. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of ridiculous to me. So I heard one I heard one opinion that it could have been, it could have been the years that they were offering. They were offering him a five-year deal where he might have wanted a three-year deal so that he could get another contract before he turns 30. That, you know, that kind of makes sense. Um, and Le'Veon Bell, uh, many are criticizing him for demanding that much money where we know he's demanding basically double the money of the next highest paid running back, which is Devontae Freeman, who makes a little over $8 million a year, I believe. Um, and, but, I mean, I see it from, from Le'Veon Bell's point of view he views himself as a wide receiver and a running back. And if you look at what the team asks him to do, over the past two years, Le'Veon Bell has more carries than anyone in the league, and he has the 12th most receptions of anyone in the league. He has you know, more receptions than every receiver in the league except for 11 receivers. And, and he already works you know, harder than any of the running backs in the league. So he, he's asked to do a lot, but yet uh, another point is that he only is playing one position at one time. He's not, you know, he's not playing two positions at once. He's just asked to do a little bit more than everyone else on the field. And he's asking to be paid um, double the amount of money as any other running backs in the league. So it's a difficult situation. I know Steelers fans are, are a little bit annoyed that it, that, it, uh, that it couldn't get worked out. For fantasy purposes this year, uh, I don't believe for a second that Le'Veon Bell is going to sit eight games in the season and leave $7 million on the table um, that he would not get for not playing those games. Um, you know, we might see a little bit of what we saw last year where it kind of took him two or three games to really get back to it, the, the best version of himself. But I mean, I wouldn't stray away from drafting him in the top two where, where he's currently being drafted. 
I mean, in my opinion, um, I think that he's, again, worth the money. Um, I don't care if it's it, just give him the years that he wants then, even if you're afraid that you're going to lose him later on. Now is your time right now. Um, he's not going to sit out any games, but you made a point of that. It will take him a game or two to get in. I think that's actually most players. I, I always try to look at that. You shouldn't judge the first two games really of the season as what a player is going to give you the rest of the season because, you know, they don't take, you know, the spring training and they don't spring training, but they don't take the uh, training camp and they don't, tr they don't take, you know, everything beforehand very seriously in terms of playing their, their all, you know, so it takes a game or two to get in. Just like in hockey, they say, give the first 10 games before you judge any player. In my opinion, for football, you should give them the, basically the first game or two. Right. So you're basically saying that Le'Veon Bell might struggle um, in the beginning, but that's not going to be any different from anyone else who's, you know, first game of the season. Exactly. So let's let's move on to the next potential um, training camp or preseason holdout, which, as we found out today, Julio Jones is not going to get um, a new contract. Julio Jones right now is the eighth highest paid wide receiver in the league because Sammy Watkins and uh, Jarvis Landry got big paydays this this summer. The market for wide receivers keeps going up, and Julio Jones wants to take advantage of his age while he's still young enough to earn you know that amount of money. Uh, he wants to take advantage of, of where the market's at right now, but it, it wasn't in the Falcons. He signed through 2020. It wasn't in the Falcons' plan uh, to get him to give him that contract this season. They have other pressing matters uh, in terms of signings on the roster. So Julio Jones also says that he, he he's not going to be at camp. Obviously, he'll be back for uh, game game week one. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Julio Jones situation? Basically, I understand where he's coming from. I mean, he's one of the top receivers in the league. And on top of that, you know, these players, any any given moment, you know, could end their career. We saw that with Zach Miller, you know, the, the previous tight end for the Bears. Um, we saw that with Ryan Shazier, the middle linebacker for the Steelers. I mean, one single play. I mean, even Ryan Shazier's play, it didn't look that crazy. I mean, it looked bad, but you didn't think, oh, right from that, he was just ending his career. But that's the end of it. So I 100% agree when these players want to get a deal done the year previously so they can have that security because that's it, any moment. So, yeah, I, I hear Julio Jones. I can understand the team being like, well, we want to wait. We want to see what's going to happen. But, I mean, this is what, as a player, it's really his only option. I mean, maybe we can have discussions about how can the league change those kind of things. But, yeah, I, I side with Julio Jones here on this. All right. Well said. Well said. I think – now, one guy who did get paid this week uh, is Brandon Cooks. He got a huge contract extension by uh, from, from the L.A. Rams. He got paid uh, $80 million over five years. Now – I'm looking at the Rams, and last year they also signed a big wide receiver in free agency. Towards uh, towards the end of of the offseason, they or, or it was a trade actually. Towards the end of the offseason, they got uh, Sammy Watkins, and then he didn't really get enough time to practice with the team. He only got 70 targets. They didn't really use him. They didn't really need him. He was unhappy. He ended up leaving, and now he's in Kansas City where he got a big deal there. It looks like they're taking the exact opposite approach with Brandon Cooks. They went after him, you know, as soon as they possibly could. Uh, so we'd have the entire offseason to practice with the team. And now before the season even started, before training camp even started, they signed him for the next five years. So this to me, it, it, in dynasty leagues at least, it gives me a little bit more security on, on, on drafting Brandon Cooks, on trading for Brandon Cooks. So it looks like the Rams are saying, you know, we messed up with Sammy Watkins or Sammy Watkins wasn't the right fit for this team. But we believe in Brandon Cooks. 
Uh, I don't know if you saw those videos circulating earlier um, in the offseason about Sean McVay and how just giddy he was about watching Brandon Cooks, how fast he was. But it really it really shows to me that they are investing in Brandon Cooks and going to game plan for him and going to use him. And we're not going to see the Sammy Watkins situation that we saw last year. I mean, I think Sean McVay really knows what he's doing. Uh, when they got Sammy Watkins, I think he, he probably understood that this wasn't the kind of player. You know, they're not the same player, Sammy Watkins and Brandon Cooks. And I think Sean McVay saw that this wasn't really a good fit. I mean, they just let him pretty much go, you know. And Brandon Cooks, I think he came over. Sean McVay, as you said, was giddy about him. He really loves him. I think he sees that this is the perfect player for his system. And I think he's saying, like, this is the wide receiver core. We, he's want, we want him to be the face of our wide receiver core. We want to build around this guy. I mean, I'm a bit upset that they didn't give any offer to uh, Aaron Donald to the face of their franchise, yeah. and they gave it to Brandon Cooks before it. It was kind of like, come on, it's a bit of a slap in the face of your face of your franchise, arguably the best player on your team. But yeah, I think it, I, I think it, I also think this is a bit overpriced for Brandon Cooks. But I think he's, it's still it's not that big a deal. I think it's a good deal all around for the team and for the player. Uh, I think the Rams fans are going to be pretty happy with that one. I think the Rams fans have a lot to be happy about yeah. right now. They, they've got a really good-looking team going into the season. Uh, the one more bit of news I want to talk about is that we saw, I believe it was yesterday or two days ago, that Allen Robinson is uh, has been officially medically cleared to participate in training camp activities. There was some worry whether or not he was going to you know, get into training camp and be able to do everything that he needed to do and was expected to do in training camp, which had some people dropping him down. Down in ranking, like if he can't practice well, you know, he might start the season rusty. But I've been a huge fan of Allen Robinson all offseason. I'm very excited for what that offense could look like under Matt Nagy uh, after what he was able to do in uh, Kansas City last year. Allen Robinson being the X wide receiver in that offense, Mitchell Trubisky hopefully taking a step up. I just think they have great pieces in place, and Matt Nagy is a great mind. And as, like now that Allen Robinson is, is cleared for training camp and he's going to be able to practice with the team through training camp through, through preseason, I'm just I'm a lot more confident. I didn't move Allen Robinson anywhere in my rankings, but I'm a lot more confident in how I feel about him now that he's cleared to play. I mean, I, I expected him to be cleared. I think, you know, all of Chicago pretty much expected him to be cleared. Um, you know, Robinson said he feels great. He feels 100 uh, percent. Yeah, he's going to be. I think he's going to be great for Mitchell Trubisky. I think last season Mitchell Trubisky didn't really have any number one oh, guy. He had nothing. He had, he yeah. had no one to throw to. Cameron Mayer actually was injured for most of the season. Yeah, he, he was pretty much in the dubs. <laughs> um, you know, uh, their former coach pretty much uh, – wow. He ran a 19 name. John Fox. Yeah, John Fox. I mean, come on. He, when he had Peyton Manning, you know, he's basically chased out of the Broncos. So I think this is going to be great for Mitchell Trubisky to be with somebody else and to have the number one wide receiver like Allen Robinson is going to be huge for him. Yeah. I think we, you should obviously expect a step up for Trubisky this season. I really like that team. And now we are going to get into wide receiver rankings. So the way uh, John and I have done this – uh, is basically I'm going to have you read me off your top five. I'll compare it with my top five. We'll talk about them a little bit, and then we'll uh, and then we'll go on moving. We're going to go up to our top 15 tight ends for redraft PPR leagues. So let me hear what you got for your top five. All right. So I mean, granted, if this this is PPR, non PPR is basically the same. Maybe one or two differences. But so first, obviously, Rob Gronkowski. I mean, the guy's just a beast. There's no need for really any explanation there. Then next, because it's PPR, I have Travis Kelsey. In non-PPR, I would have had Zach Ertz as number two. But I like Travis Kelsey as my number two guy. 
for PPR. Then I got Zach Ertz uh, as uh, one of the guys in my hometown league would say, my boy Zach Ertz. <laughs> uh, you know, he killed me. Uh, he killed against me last season. Uh, Zach Ertz beat Mikey uh, yeah. in the playoffs last year, and it was a very uh, emotional moment for him. <laughs> so then I got Greg Olson going on next. Uh, Greg Olson, I know, was basically not around this past season, but throughout his career, he's been pretty much a staple. Um, and I expect him to be you know, not injury prone just because of this one injury that took him out. I expect uh, Greg Olson to be there. And then I expect Jimmy Graham as my number five guy. I mean, he's going to be getting around the same amount or even a little bit more actually with Aaron Rodgers than he did with Russell Wilson the past three years. And, um, you know, uh, Jimmy Graham with less targets from Wilson actually did more. I had an article up explaining this, that in the past three years, Rodgers had thrown more to his tight ends than Russell Wilson had thrown to Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham exceeded in touchdowns, um, yards after catch, in in yards, in pretty much every facet of the game. He he excelled, you know, more than any previous tight end that Rodgers has had. So I expect Jimmy Graham to have a good season this season, which is why I have him at top five. Okay, so my top five are very similar to yours. I have Gronk and then Kelsey and then Ertz, and then I have Jimmy Graham at four. And at five, I actually have Kyle Rudolph uh, I'm going for this year over Greg Olson. And let me just – before I get into deep discussion about the tight ends, I want to say that what I've found over the past few seasons playing in all different types of fantasy leagues, tight end is really, really a rough position. If you don't get a top three, if you don't get a Gronk, Kelsey, or or Ertz, I would suggest that you wait until way, way later because tight ends are, are very, very hit or miss. And if you're spending like it's, it's much better to spend a middle round pick on uh, a wide receiver or, or running back with high upside than it is on a tight end, which you might just be wasting a pick there. I find that tight ends are, are only are only fun if you play with some sort of tight end premium. If you play with a two tight end league or if you play in a league where uh, 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 where there's no PPR, but there's only PPR for tight ends or tight ends get more points per reception. That really spices things up and it makes tight ends a lot more relevant. And I actually had a lot more fun playing in those types of leagues. Uh, so that's just my overall feeling on tight ends. Now, I will still give you my rankings of, of, of where they're at. Yeah, Rob Gronkowski is number one, but I can very see very easily see him falling due to injury. Um, the guy, you know, Every contemplated, season. right. The guy contemplated retirement. He's only played, uh, I believe two full 16 seasons, two 16 game seasons. And there was much earlier in his career. He's, he always is an injury risk. Obviously when he's on the, when he's on the field, he's the best tight end. There's no question about that, but his injury risk has gotten to a point where I might consider putting Kelsey and Ertz above him just because I'm more confident that they will be ready to play. Um, and you know, Zach Ertz, um, I got some good stats for you on Zach Ertz. I was pulling these up in some other research I was doing. Um, Zach Ertz, five career games with 10 plus receptions, which is first among active tight ends. Uh, Gronk and Kelsey each only have one game like that. Uh, Zach Ertz is one of two tight ends with three straight 100 plus yard seasons. Um, he's had 100 plus targets in each of the last three seasons. He's led the Eagles in receptions both in 2017 and 2016. And he's third in tight end receptions since 2015. So I love, I love, love, love Zach Ertz. I don't think I can quite put him uh, above Travis Kelsey because I think Kelsey is going to be possibly an even more explosive weapon in, in Kansas City. But those are the easy top three. And if you're looking at the ECR, Zach Ertz is ranked 35th overall, and the next tight end is not until 58th where they have Greg Olson. Jimmy Graham, I agree with you. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to target him a lot 
in the end zone. I think his touchdown upside is even higher than it was last year. So I'm very high on Jimmy Graham. I know a lot of people are like, he's old. He's not going to get much between the 20s, but he's not going to need that much between the 20s if the Packers are scoring as much as I expect them to score with Aaron Rodgers back at the quarterback. Uh, I think Jimmy Graham's going to have incredible opportunity. And Kyle Rudolph rounds out my top five. And I'm looking at his stats. He's kind of been up and down over the past few years. He has a 400-yard season, then an 800-yard season. And last year, he had a 500-yard season. But his touchdowns have gone up over the past three years from five to seven to eight. And I think Kirk Cousins, as we saw in Washington, loved throwing to uh, Jordan Reed. And he's got another big, safe weapon in uh, in, in Kyle Rudolph. I think that connection is going to be very, very solid. I think the Vikings are going to be a very good team, also going to be scoring a lot. Um, so, yeah, that's why Kyle Rudolph um, rounds out my top five. Now, we'll get into Greg Olson. And I have, uh, I'm very high on Greg Olson, too. Um, he's my number six. Um, just a couple stats on Olsen. He averages 120 targets per season with Cam Newton. I think he's going to be a big um, a big part of the offense no matter what. Obviously, they have Christian McCaffrey. Now they drafted DJ Moore. They got Devin Funches still there. They got a lot of, a lot of moving parts, a lot of offensive weapons. But I think Craig Olsen is, has the chemistry with Cam Newton and is locked into that 120 target role. So I'm going to let you talk a little bit now. I mean, for Greg, with Greg Olson, I mean, he is Cam Newton's safety valve, you know? And so we should be expecting that this year. I know people are it's actually people are, should be pretty happy because this year in redraft, you're basically going to be getting him at a great price, whereas in years past, he always would go very early. And now because people are probably low on him because he had the injury and people forget very easily in football, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm also a big hockey fan and hockey people always don't just look at the year previously. They also look at what has this guy done his whole career. And I find a lot more with football fans. Not not always the case, but a lot of times a lot of football fans go, ah, what do you do? What have you done for me lately? So, well, Greg Olson hasn't done much for you lately, so you're going to get a good price for him in redraft. Um, I, I like Kyle Rudolph. The only thing is, I have him at seven, not in my top five like you have him because, I mean, listen, Kirk Cousins, yes, he throws to his tight ends. I mean, he, he did a great job at Jordan Reed, that's for sure. I mean, when Reed was healthy, that is. Um, that's a big. It's a. <laughs> Like half the time or less. Yeah, but as a Redskins fan, it's 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 very very depressing. Probably trying for you. trying trying to count on on Jordan Reed because when he's on the field again, he's a top four tight end. But we could just never rely on that. Uh, yeah, but basically, I mean, Kirk Cousins is going into a new system. Not only that, so is Kyle Rudolph basically because their offensive coordinator Pat Shermer has left to you know my favorite team, the Giants. Uh, so I'm just wondering if the first half of the season, how much time is it going to take for them to really click and for everybody to get everything in gear? So I'm just not as high as him. And, as in I'm not putting him in my top five, but I have him at about yeah eight here actually. I have him. Um, so that's for, good. That's a that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Let's uh, let's talk about a uh, very polarizing tight end, um, and I'll kick it to you first as he's on your team. Let's talk about Evan Ingram. Ah, okay. So Evan Ingram, I actually <laughs> Mike have is ready for this one. <laughs> Evan Ingram, I actually have at seven. I'm not expecting him to get the targets that I also he got. have him at seven. Oh, perfect. Great night. <laughs> um, I'm not expecting him to get 115 targets like he got last season. I mean, OBJ's you know going to be back, and that's going to be the focal point of the passing game, especially with Saquon Barkley back, which is going to be great. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of targets to feed uh, with the Giants, which is great you know for any Giants fan. But, yeah, I'm not expecting Evan Ingram to get what he did last season. I mean, he was great surprise for me last season. I happened to actually have drafted him at the end of the season, at the end of the draft, and he was great for me. But I'm not expecting that at all. If OBJ gets injured, I mean, your target share for Evan Ingram should explode again. But, yeah, I'm just – don't expect him in your top five. I mean, really, even at seven, I'm a bit hesitant because I'm afraid that guys like – 
Um, I have below him here like Jordan Reed, Jack Doyle, George Kittle, Trey Burton. Delaney uh, Walker? Where's he at? I got Delaney Walker at six. Oh, okay. So we okay, skipped over him. We'll get back to him. We'll get back to him. I was just getting nervous for a second. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what I have to say about Evan Ingram is, you know, I have him at seven also. And I I, I do feel like that's kind of his ceiling with, with the Giants this season. Again, 115 targets I don't believe is going to happen again with, yeah. with a, a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard and with Saquon Barkley in the passing game. But I don't think that he is going to completely fall off the map. I do like everyone is like, why are you why are you so low on Evan Ingram? People have him ranked as three, four, five. And they're like, look at me at seven. And they're like, why are you so low? I'm not low on him. I just feel like it's a very this is a very average place to have him. I think, you know, being a tight end seven overall in your second in your second season is, is actually huge. It's a huge accomplishment for him. But he really had, in his rookie season, he had everything that could possibly go in his favor went in his favor. The Giants were a bad team, so they were passing a lot. Three receivers in front of him went down. He became the only reliable pair of hands in that entire offense, and it showed uh, with the targets he got. Now, I think the Giants are going to be a little bit of a better team. They're going to score more, most likely. But he's now third or fourth um, on the target chain. And I was looking at what how Eli has favored tight ends in the past, and he hasn't thrown that much to a tight end. Um, uh, since 2005, 2006, when he was with Jeremy Shockey. In 2005, I believe it was, Jeremy Shockey actually got 121 targets, which was which was insane. But they didn't have a wide receiver uh, like Odell Beckham Jr. They didn't have a running back like Saquon Barkley. So I think seven is a very fair spot uh, for Evan Ingram. Now let's uh, talk Wait, about... Just uh, one quick thing I wanted to add is that actually... Uh, Eli Manning hasn't really had a great tight end that he could have favored. And I do believe that Evan Ingram showed to, to Eli that he can trust him. And so therefore, that's why he's still going to be a top 10 tight end for me, because I think Eli's not just going to forget about him. Eli will still throw. I expect that target share to be 90 to 100, but I still expect that, you know, not 115. Not yeah, again, I, I, I'm high on, on Ingram. I believe he's going to he's going to be a tight end one. And I, I mean, listen, I have him at seven, so I'm, I'm in no way fading him, as, as some people might suggest. I just don't think he's going to have the season that he had last year where nobody where he was like literally the only guy who would catch the ball exactly um so delaney walker is who i have at eight you have him at six so i'll let you kick this off so basically i think delaney walker has just shown that he's just he's just ageless it's it's really it's it's great you know for titan fans um he's ageless um he's, he really is just a staple i mean over the past several years he's basically had the same amount of target share he's showed that he could just still do it so i think he's just very reliable and he's basically always been around the top 10 what i think around eight generally He's been, um, if I, I might be a little off, but I think generally most years he's around the number eight tight end. So I just expect that to continue. I think that this year the tight end crop is not as good as it has been years past. So I expect him to be a bit better this season in terms of just his competition of other tight ends in the league in terms of fantasy. So Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a big Delaney Walker fan. I couldn't see myself putting him ahead of any of the guys I have before him on the list, but... He's had over 100 targets and over 800 yards in four seasons in a row in, in, in as a Titan. Yeah. Now, and I think the Titans are going to be a better team this year. I think they're going to score more. And I do think that Corey Davis is going to have somewhat of a breakout. And now they have Deion Lewis uh, who can catch the ball. But I think Delaney Walker has his role cut out. He's going to get the targets and he's going to get the yards. Um, I think he's developed chemistry with Marcus Mari- uh, with Mariota. And I don't think anything is going to change in in his in his workload 
and he's just been the most consistent tight end over the past four seasons. He's always there, always right, mid-level tight end one, as you said, always gets the yards, always gets the targets. I think he's just – he's a kind of sure thing that you can probably grab later in, in drafts than you can with the rest of these guys who some people are going to be reaching for. So I, I really, really like Delaney Walker. I think and, Delaney Walker has basically been like almost similar to Greg Olson. You know, he's been the safety for that team. You know, you just always can rely on him. He had 111 targets last season. I, you know, we should expect around the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I, I believe so as well. And the next guy I have, a guy I'm very high on, is Trey Burton. Um, you know, he hasn't he hasn't been a starting tight end in his career yet, but he's going to Chicago where Matt Nagy has said he's going to use him uh, in a very similar way to the way he used Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. And I'm very excited for that. We, we saw uh, Trey Burton's skills on display in the Super Bowl. But more importantly, when Zach Ertz got injured for a game and a half, Trey Burton went in there and it was as if Zach Ertz didn't uh, was still there as well. He had 13 targets, nine catches, 113 yards and two touchdowns uh, in just that game and a half, two games where he was like technically the starting starting tight end. So we talked about already uh, surrounding Allen Robinson. We talked about how we like this new offense and I'm very excited for Trey Burton in this offense as well. Um, he's a tight end that you can get very late and I have him as my tight end nine overall. Uh, so he, he's a, he's a big target of mine actually going into drafts. I have him at 12 actually. Uh, I mean, if you're a 12 man league, that is tight end one, but it's right outside the top 10. I can't, I, I, I see the talent. I just don't know if I trust Mitchell Trubisky to get in the ball that much and get it into the end zone that much. Nothing that I've got against Trubisky. I just don't know if Burton's going to be util, utilized as much as he, well, as well as he was in the Eagles system. I know Matt Nagy has said that he wants to use him. They did give him a big contract. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he does great this season. I mean, you're just not as confident. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's guys, I've guys like Jordan Reed higher than him, but Jordan Reed is so injury prone. I also have Jack Doyle ahead of him. And, you know, who knows really with Jack Doyle. We, we'll get into that after, I guess. Right. I have Jack Doyle right at, the, right at the edge of my list. But another thing about Trey Burton is, as you said, we're, we're worried about Mitchell Trubisky, you know, taking that leap forward uh, that many expect him to take. But tight end is is a guy who is, is a position that's not really so much affected by that. Quarterbacks tend to use tight ends as as safety nets. Um, and I think Trubisky can do that great with Trey Burton. So I expect him to get, you know, a nice volume in an offense that I believe will score more. Um, so again, he, he, he's really a guy I'm going after. Um, and you can get him for pretty cheap. Uh, now the next guy I have, who's the next guy who, who, who where are we up to on your list? Uh, well, we've gone, you know, a bit we're jumping around. around, we're jumping around, but, uh, we talked about Kyle Rudolph. Then I've got Jordan Reed. Okay. So, uh, you want to, I feel Let's, like you should discuss him first. I mean, listen again, Jordan Reed, I just did some research on him recently. Some of the stats I pulled up, he's sixth, he's sixth overall in tight end reception since 2015, despite playing fewer games than anyone in the top 20 tight ends. Meaning he's like of the top 20 tight ends in terms of catches since 2015, Jordan Reed is sixth, but he's played the least games out of anyone on that list. So that's very impressive. That shows that when he's on the field, we all know he's a beast. He's an animal. He gets the ball. He gets the ball in the end zone. And uh, Alex Smith loves to throw to his tight ends, as we've seen both with Travis Kelsey and Vernon Davis, who is also on the Redskins. But if Jordan Reed is healthy, he's going to be a top four tight end. But that's just the biggest if that there is in football. I always ask the question, who is more injury prone, Jordan Reed or Tyler Eifert? And the correct answer is yes, <laughs> because you can't trust any of them to be on the field. I have Jordan Reed where I have him at 12. Uh, so I do consider him a tight end one. 
it's just, it's very hard to rank him because if he's there, he's going to be like the top five tight end, but we just don't know if he's going to be there. Right. I mean, listen, you compared him to Tyler Eifert. And personally, I think that, you know, Eifert isn't even close as good as Jordan Reed. Eifert was really big because he got so many, you know, targets in the red zone. And Jordan Reed was just a beast on the field and in the air. Yeah, Jordan Reed Reed was basically a receiver. Yeah. uh, When he was there. I mean, he was a mismatch for so many teams. Right. Which is great. So I have him at nine. Um, We'll see what Alex, you know, we'll see how good he's going to be with Alex Smith. I, I always personally tend to look at when a quarterback comes into a new system to just, you know, you know, cool it. You know, cool the Jets on the guy for the first few games, really like the first half of the season. Um, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Generally, a lot of people like to say, oh, but they always look at their tight ends because they are the safety valve, right? Like, I think we all know that. So that could be great for, you know, like that could be great for Trey Burton. That could be great for Jordan Reed. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I had Jordan Reed inside the top 10. I like him a lot. And so long as he's healthy, right, you're taking that risk. But when you're getting him, you're getting him far at the end of your draft. So he's worth that risk at that point. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. There's, there's Jordan Reed for you. Now I'm going to go to my, I'm going to skip over number 10 to talk about a guy that I really, really like. That's my number 11 guy is George Kittle. He's your your number 11 guy too. Um, And you know, this, this goes out to John because no, nobody I know is a bigger fan than uh, of George Kittle than John is. Um, I hope John is uh, listening to this podcast while he's trying to uh, put to sleep all three of his daughters. Um, I, I don't even know how you have enough hands for that or enough <laughs> arms for that. Enough. Uh, 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 I just uh, like I'm very impressed. He's the real MVP. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the real MVP right now. We miss you, John. We hope you're uh, we hope you're doing well. Uh, we hope all the all the ladies in your family are, are happy and healthy and, and hopefully sleeping uh, right now. But I want to talk about how much I personally love George Kittle. He's a guy that John and I both liked coming out of college. He was drafted in the fifth round, but he was he played on 77% of, of the 49ers snaps as a rookie. He, he, he won the starting job as a rookie, partially because they sent Vance McDonald packing before the season. But still, for a rookie tight end to gain the starting job doesn't happen very often. Um, and he played on 77% of the snaps, but that did gradually decrease over the course of the season when Garrett Selleck also, you know, started making a name for himself. But I, I just love the opportunity that he has on, on a team like the 49ers. You have Jimmy Garoppolo who set the NFL on fire in the last five games of the season, took a team that was worthless and had them win five games straight. And, you know, you have a couple of wide receiver options that we don't know so much about. We don't know how Pierre Garçon is going to be after the injury. We don't know if Marquise Goodwin is going to be that good. Uh, he had five amazing games at the end of last season, but there's not really a solidified great wide receiver there. Uh, so George Kittle can really uh, continue to develop and, and carve out his role in that offense and become a, you know, a big target for, for Jimmy Garoppolo. So I really, just the way the 49ers are, are looking and the positive trajectory that they seem to be on with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback, I just really like that opportunity for George Kittle. I think he's going to surprise some people. Uh, I think he's going to be a star. So, I mean, I like George Kittle, but I have him at 11 because I think the risk is there. I mean, he really got a much more of his targets when it was not Jimmy G under center. Um, as we saw previously, I mean, it was really with the uh, CJ, yeah, Bethard. Am I, did I say that correctly? I always say Bethard, 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 no one knows. Right. <laughs> uh, so basically, that's where Kittle Moore got his target shares and where he did really well. I mean, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is incredible. And what a steal for San Francisco to get a player like that for just a second rounder. And I mean, you're taking a risk. I mean, I personally wouldn't draft him as my number one 
tight end. But you have him as a tight end one. And I mean, I had him as 11. I, I mean, because I'm, I'm thinking more of a 10-man league where I say tight end one. So yeah, in terms of a 12-man league, you're right, that's a tw- tight end one. But I would be trying to go for, even in a t- 12-man league, I'd be trying to reach further. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, earlier on in the draft rather than, you know, take the risk on George Kittle because you could be, I mean, it, who knows? Because you could be getting somebody who's going to explode and it's going to be incredible. But I remember everyone thought Austin Hooper was going to be, you know, incredible for basically oh the same reasons for George Kittle. I feel Kittle. for you if you fell into that yeah. Austin Hooper trap uh, so last season. That's that exactly how I feel about Kittle. I feel like Kittle could be this season's Austin Hooper. Okay, that's, that's a fair call. I, I happen to not like I, i'm just i'm really this season i'm i don't think i'm going to take tight ends in any single digit round there's so many guys i like that are going to be available later like ricky seals jones that i'm just fine to throw into my uh tight end spot and focus more on nailing all my running backs and and wide receivers that like to me after gronkowski kelsey and, and Ertz, there's just no sure things so i'm just not wasting any picks on on tight ends i'm very i feel very strongly about tight ends i guess maybe because i've been burned so many times um in the past on tight ends where i've just really devalued that position in my own mind um but i think there are plenty of guys available later that you can plug into your lineup uh that you can get in double digit rounds now let's go back and talk about i have him i have david and joku at Number 10 overall. Where do you have Njoku? So I have Njoku at 16. Ah, okay. So, okay. So, let's talk about him. Okay, yeah. I I like him. I like him because I I really do like the Browns' offense a lot this year. And I think they're going to score more, whether it's Tyrod Taylor at quarterback or Baker Mayfield at at quarterback. I think Baker Mayfield has even more of an inclination to you know, get comfortable with throwing to his tight end. And I don't like a lot of the receivers in, uh, in, in Cleveland because you have Jarvis Landry, you have Josh Gordon. We don't know what he's going to be like. We have uh, Antonio Callaway and then we have Corey Coleman who may or may not be on the team in week one. There's a lot of receivers there. There's a lot of running backs there. And so you kind of stay away from the receivers and running backs because it's so crowded, but tight ends will always find roles on the team. And I think Njoku is, as we saw flashes last year, an extremely talented tight end that he's going to carve out his role no matter what, no matter which receiver ends up being the guy, which running back ends up being the guy. Njoku is the guy now at tight end and he's going to get his targets. He's going to be an end zone threat, a red zone threat. I think he's going to get his touchdowns and I think the Browns are going to score a lot of points. They may not win a lot of games, but I think they're going to score more points. So uh, that's why I like Njoku. I have him at number 10. Yeah, I mean... He's a great talent. There's no question there. I think uh, I'm in a dynasty league with you where I picked him in the second round. I just I think he's going to be great. I just don't think it's his time yet. Um, I mean, listen, I have him hovering right at 16. It's right outside the top 15. I just I don't understand how you can get Carlos Hyde. You get some some new guys in the draft um, like, like Chubb. I mean, you still have Duke Johnson there. I understand your point of say, you know, Jarvis Landry, obviously Josh Gordon. I understand your point uh, that tight ends are safeties, safety valves, which I agree with, and that they always find a way to fit into the offense. But I mean, you say that, and then you know, there's been plenty of tight ends in the past who just haven't done anything, and they're pretty much the tight end ones. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I don't trust him at all. That's that fair. I mean, that, that's fair. I'm, I, I don't see how it's going to get it. The targets. I just don't. It's a fair point. I think he will have, I think he will have a role. I think he showed his, his playmaking ability enough last year that even in the crowded offense that they have, he is their number one tight end and he is going to get open. He does create a mismatch where some of the other, you know, weapons that they have won't. 
So I really like him, but uh, let's move on to your next guy. Uh, so next I have, let's see, we've gone over my first 12. I got Tyler Eifert at 13. Where do you have Well, let's go back and talk, to, talk about Jack Doyle. We didn't really cover oh, him. Oh, right. Sorry about that. I have Jack Doyle at 10. You have him? So I have him. I have Jack Doyle right at the edge of this list at 15. Uh, so you can kick off why you like okay, Jack Doyle. Okay, so I like Jack Doyle. This is purely only if Andrew Luck is going to come back, which I really hope he does, just as an Andrew Luck fan because I think he's a – Really talented player. I mean, he's really the difference between a playoff team, you know, in Indy and a team that barely fails to crack anywhere near the top of their conference. Uh, I mean, their division. I, I mean, but if, if Andrew Luck is back, he already showed that he trusted Jack Doyle previously. When I think when Wayne Allen was there, I remember when Kobe Fleener left everyone to, to, you know, when he left to New Orleans, everybody was really high on Dwayne Allen. And then, bam, it was Jack Doyle. Um, I really think that Andrew Luck loves Jack Doyle, even with Eric Abron there. And I think that I have him at 10 only because it's basically like a huge risk. And that risk is all Andrew Luck. So if Andrew Luck comes back, you've got a tight end one, probably even higher than number 10. I think he, he would even shoot up possibly the top five with Andrew Luck back. But that's why I have him at 10 because it's, it's basically a risk of all Andrew Luck. So the same for the same reason that I like um, David Njoku, I don't like Jack Doyle. And that's because he's he's – he might not even be the tight end one on that team. He's definitely going to going to be splitting uh, time with with Eric Ebron. Like they, the Colts went out and signed Ebron, and yes, Andrew Luck and Jack Doyle had an amazing chemistry. But there is another tight end there who is going to be getting tight end targets, and I just I'm uncomfortable putting him anywhere higher than 15 when I'm not so sure how secure his his job is. Um, obviously, he's going to have a role. He's going to get thrown to because the Colts, let's be honest, don't really have a wide receiver outside of T.Y. Hilton. So there will be targets to go around. But the fact that I, I would have had Jack Doyle higher on my list, you know, before they signed Ebron. But with, with, a, with a tight end there with Ebron's potential, and I still do think he has a lot of potential. I just I couldn't put Jack Doyle any higher because his his opportunity is going to be split in half with another big bodied athletic tight end. I mean, I'm not worried about Eric Ebron. I mean, I have him actually at 15 just in case because there is obviously risk there. But, I mean, Eric Ebron came from a great quarterback also with Matthew Stafford, and what did he accomplish? You know, it's nothing against, personally against the guy, but what what did he do with, with a great quarterback like that? And Jack Doyle, as we saw before, you know, he did well with, with Dwayne Allen there. So it's the same situation. Also, previously— Yeah, but I just—I don't think that Ebron is going to play the Dwayne Allen role. Dwayne Allen was much more of a blocking-style tight end the way he's used in, in New England. And I think Eric Ebron is going to get a lot of the red zone and, and end zone targets, which really— really cuts into uh, Jack Doyle's potential workload. I mean, Eric Ebron's a big guy. Everyone thought when Dwayne Allen was going to the Patriots that he would be an, a great end zone addition, and he wasn't really. So I just don't see it. I really think Andrew Luck likes Jack Doyle. I, I'm not saying that Eric Ebron can't get anything, but also we saw in other systems previously. I mean, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles made Zach Ertz and Trey Burton accessible per game, pretty much. No, no. When when, when Ertz was starting, Trey Burton didn't get more than a, or a couple targets. He got um, several end zone targets. I mean, you could start him in fantasy, and you could expect one or two touchdowns possibly even sometimes. I mean, uh, this is more towards the end of the season. I mean, I think I would argue with that. I don't, I don't think Trey Burton was a, was a week-in, week-out starter um, that, you would, that you would have 
when he was playing along Zach Ert, alongside Zach Ertz, but whatever, let's, uh, we can move on from this one. Right. Um, so the next guy I have on my list at 13 is Charles Clay. And that's a, that's a pure volume move, um, in Buffalo because there is literally no one else, uh, to throw the ball to. There might be no one really to even throw the ball, but Charles Clay, uh, made himself valuable last year with Tyrod Taylor. He was the only one in that offense that you could rely on besides LaShawn McCoy. Um, and, and he's, he's on this list for me just because they, the, the bills don't have anywhere else to throw the ball. And, volume at the end of the day wins out. And I think Charles Clay is, you know, is, is being forced into that volume because there's really no, nothing else there. So I have Clay at 14. You're right. He's most definitely just the best player on that team right now. I mean, Josh Allen comes in there. He's a gunslinger, but it is his first season. So I think he's going to rely heavily on Charles Clay, especially when he doesn't really have anyone else to rely on there. So I have him at 14 and you're exactly right because of volume, even though Allen's a gunslinger, I still think that for his first season, he's going to be relying on Clay heavily. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we, we both have him. You have him at 14. I have him at 13. I don't think he's – I don't think that offense is going to be good enough for him to be uh, tight end one. But I think he's going to get enough volume to be relied on um, on a weekly basis in terms of fantasy points. Like, I have a question for you, though. Let's go. Um, if something happens with this LaShawn McCoy situation, I'm personally uh, innocent until proven guilty guy. So, But just if something ended up happening, and let's say LaShawn McCoy was suspended out for half the season or the season, would you say that would up Charles Clay's value because that would make you know the, pay, the uh, bills have to pass it a lot more? Because they'd probably be down and they can't rely on a bell cow. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it would change the value that much for me. Yes, they're going to have to pass more and they won't be able to pass uh, to McCoy. But I just think – I think the Bills are going to be such a bad team. I really don't see them scoring that often. So his touchdown upside is limited. And if Shady was there, it would be even more limited. So, yeah, he might get a bit more volume. But I think they would be able to move the ball down the field even less. So it, it might kind of balance balance out for me. I really don't think the, – the Bills need something. They, they need, like, a, a complete rebuild for anything to change on their team. They're in, their offense is in such a bad state right now. They're, they lost three offensive linemen this offseason – uh, LaShawn McCoy is 30 years old and might be in, in terrible legal trouble. Zay Jones has his own mess of problems. Uh, Jordan Matthews is gone. They just, they, they don't, they don't really have any, any offensive skill position players. Uh, so Charles Clay is, is just the guy who, who has to get the ball. And I don't think anything that happens this season is really going to, you know, make him better or worse for me. All right. Good call. So. Let's uh, let's keep going. The last the last two the last guy that we that I have on my list that we haven't talked about yet is Tyler Eifert. Where do you have Tyler Eifert on your I've list? I've got Eifert at thirteen. Okay, and I have him at fourteen. So we're we're right around the same uh, for Tyler Eifert. He's another guy uh, just like Jordan Reed that if he manages to get on the field, he's going to be productive. He scored a a ton of touchdowns with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton loves throwing yeah. a Tyler Eifert in the red zone. He is he is the red zone guy, and as an AJ Green owner, that always pisses me off when when Eifert's in the game because I know the touchdown's going to him and not Green. But again, it's just a question of of if, if he can actually be there. That's how I felt with Jay Ajayi at the end of last season when he went to the the Eagles. I knew it was going to Zach Ertz and not to Ajayi. 
Uh, yeah, it's the exact reason why I've got Eifert at 13. I mean, the guy just never stays healthy, unfortunately. But Andy Dalton has proved that he loves him in the end zone. And that's because Eifert's a big guy. And, you know, you can double team him, but he just somehow finds a way to get that, that touchdown. Yeah, and I think the Bengals are going to be a better team. They've really – I think – Good offenses start with a good offensive line, and the Bengals uh, uh, signed Cordy Glenn um, over over the offseason from the from the Bills. Uh, so they've got a they, they've upgraded their tackle game. They drafted uh, who was considered yeah. to be the second best, or some even considered the first best center um, in the draft. I'm forgetting his name at the moment, but. They, they, they improve their offensive line. I think Joe Mixon is going to develop a little bit more in, in year two. I think they're going to be an all-around better team than they were last year. And if Eifert is, is in the game, I think he's got high potential like he always does. It's, again, just a question of, of his availability. I mean, before last year, they had a pretty solid offensive line. <laughs> right. They had a great offensive yeah. line that they let, that they let go. One of the best. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't understand it at all. Well, yeah, when they let them go. I mean, you saw the Rams, how much they improved with yeah. just one good left tackle. Um, I mean, and, you know, with their taken, left tackle. Yeah, that's <laughs> been taken from, from the Bengals. Uh, yeah, um, there's another player. Oh, we discussed Eric Ebron. So. Okay, so those are those are our top 15 tight ends. Let me, I'm going to read over my list one more time, and then I'll have Mikey read over his list. My top 15 are Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Jimmy Graham, Kyle Rudolph, Greg Olson, Evan Ingram, Delaney Walker, Trey Burton. David Njoku, George Kittle, Jordan Reed, Charles Clay, Tyler Eifert, and Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron, I have right around the same spot at that 15. So I've got Rob Gronkowski at number one, number two, Travis Kelsey, number three, Zach Ertz, number four, Greg Olson, number five, Jimmy Graham, number six, Delaney Walker, number seven, Evan Ingram, number eight, Kyle Rudolph, number nine, Jordan Reed, number 10, Jack Doyle, number 11, George Kittle, number 12, Trey Burton, number 13, Tyler Eifert, number 14, Charles Clay, number 15, Eric Ebron, number 16, just in case, David Njoku. All right, so those are our tight ends. I hope that will help you in your draft. As always, you can uh, look at... uh, uh, sorry, excuse me. We have a new name now. Performance Enhancing Podcast, PE Podcast FF on Twitter. You can ask us any questions you have. Uh, you can look for me. Wait, uh, there was one topic I wanted to get to before we sign off. Okay, you can go uh, for it. The question, I mean, it's not really such a fantasy relevant question, but we asked it to the league. Uh, as you remember last night, I was asking, why is it that tight ends seem to be getting more money than running backs? Uh, we discussed it just for a few minutes because, um, you know, just looking at here at some cap sites, you know, after after Le'Veon Bell, there are six tight ends that make more money than the next highest paid running back, which is Devontae Friedman. Uh, hold on, I'm just pulling it up here. I seem to have uh, changed it when I was looking at wide receiver caps. Yeah, so right at number one, you have Le'Veon Bell who's making the most out of all the positions at 14 million, at 14 and a half million because of his franchise tag. I mean, he wants 15 million. Uh, then we got Jimmy Graham who's na- making the next most at 10. Then Travis Kelsey, Jordan Reed, Rob Gronkowski, Greg Olson, and Zach Ertz. And then it's Devontae Freeman and LaShawn McCoy. And then even after that, it's Trey Burton. Uh, I mean, and then it's Barkley. And then it goes again, several. And then it goes again. Let's see, Charles Clay, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, oops, nope. So there you go, Charles Clay, then Jarek McKinnon. So running back, but then it goes to Wayne Allen, Kyle Rudolph. Jermaine Gresham, Cameron Braid before the next. So as in you see a pattern that several tight ends are being paid more than than running backs as a whole. Uh, why would you say that is? Do you so, agree with I mean, that? Listen, I've always like running backs are is is not a valued position in terms of the money you're going to give a guy. They are their most of their good years are are played on their rookie contracts and. 
then they're 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 very interchangeable. Um, you saw when when Leonard Fournette went out uh, last year. The, 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 the Jaguars were all about their defense and their offensive line, which just come to speak of them. They got even better this year. Right. Um, when, when Leonard Fournette sat out, they didn't miss a step and they didn't put Leonard Fournette back in until he was 100 percent ready because their running game didn't suffer. So running backs, you can if you have a good offensive line, a good defense, you know, good, good pieces around you, you don't need that top quality guy and running backs are always going to be undervalued or devalued if you will and they have the shortest you know they have the shortest lifespans that by the time you're you're, you're looking at giving a running back a, a big contract he's already 25 sometimes 26 years old depending on how how late he left college whereas tight ends they can play a little bit longer and they don't even develop until you know two three four years so by the time they really they really make it big they really make a big impact they, they, they their, their careers are just starting at like 24 25 and that's when they're ready for their next contract right so i kind of agree with the argument of that the running backs you know they they play most of their best years on their rookie contract because they have a shorter lifespan but you made the point that basically oh they're more interchangeable i mean i would say the same thing for a lot of tight ends but then um you know leonard fournette he's more of a bruiser so he's not this passing down back also that you can rely on for every single situation in terms of passing and not saying he's a terrible pass catcher but you know you can't rely on him say the way you can rely on Le'Veon bell or hopefully the way that the giants hope to um, rely on Saquon barkley but you know you look at if you took Le'Veon bell out of the game d'angelo williams did well for the, I remember when it was two years ago. Now, yeah. D'Angelo Williams did great fantasy-wise. Not as not as well as Bell was doing. I mean, I think D'Angelo Williams was averaging about thirteen or fourteen points, something like that. Whereas if Bell was averaging almost twenty points per game, so Bell was still clearly doing better. But not just that, Bell they relied on him every single play. So let's say it, it, it also affects the quarterback as well. For how, I think it affects the whole team when you have like these elite guys. D'Angelo Williams finished as the running back four overall that season. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, how many games was he out that season? If I remember correctly, it was like almost half the season. Um, yeah, he was out. Le'Veon Bell, I'll look it up for you real quick. This just, was... As he's looking it up, Zeke, um, when Zeke was out this season, I mean, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys were just a much worse off team. Dak Prescott's numbers dropped dramatically, I, I believe, for maybe not every single game, but for, for most of the games that Zeke was out for. And in the game that Zeke played terrible against when they played against the Broncos, the Dallas couldn't get anything going. Once yeah, they he had like six rushing Zeke. yards. Yeah, and Zeke... Uh, when Zeke couldn't get anything going, the Cowboys couldn't get anything going. So I think just like you can make that point, okay, Fournette didn't change that much for the... Um, when he was injured. Yeah, when, when Fournette was injured, it didn't change that much for them, uh, for the Jaguars. But I, I would make the, the, the argument that passing down, you know, running backs that you can depend on in the catching, especially like Todd Gurley also, I believe, that the whole team changed you know, the Rams when he wasn't available. Listen, I agree. I don't really fully understand the concept. The, the, the money aspect of the game is something that I'm still learning. I'm trying to understand um, salary caps and who gets what amount of money and why. I'm still, you know, admittedly learning that part of the game. Um, so I really, I really don't have a solid answer for you. Right. It's not such a fantasy question. It's more just uh, hypothetical, throwing it out to you, to the fans, what they to see what everybody thinks. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for that, Mikey. Mikey always has tons of questions. <laughs> Um, so again, I can be found on Twitter at AVISHAI41. Um, you can look up the podcast at uh, P at 
P-E podcast F-F. And you can definitely bother John at J-O-N underscore M-A-R-G-U-L-I-S. Even though he's dealing with his three daughters, I see him very active on Twitter. So you can definitely reach out and ask him questions too. And uh, until next time, this was the Performance Enhancing Podcast with special guest Mikey Tauber. We'll see you all next time. Take care, everyone.